Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Brother Scott, that was wonderful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I could do a couple laps around this church right now. You understand what I'm saying? Woo! Hallelujah. Nice touch with the video, too, isn't it? Why he's singing it. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, Jesus, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left the speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, uh, for he was astonished and all that were with him, and at the draught of the fishes which he had taken, which they have taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. For when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Hallelujah. Now, the point that I, I really want to kind of focus on this morning is the part where Jesus told them to launch out into the deep. Now, I'm going to call this message launching out. Amen. Now, I believe this is the year, this year, and this is still the beginning of a new year. I believe God is calling his people to launch out into the deep. Amen. Now, when someone launches their ship out into the lake, it takes force to push that ship away from the dock. You know what I'm talking about? Now, in a spiritual sense, it takes the force of discipline and obedience to God to push away from the docks. Now, what do I mean by docks? I'm thinking, when I hear the word docks, I'm thinking of traditions, mindsets that are against the word of, against the word of God, or comfort zones. And it takes the spiritual discipline of obedience to push us away from those things, doesn't it? Uh, it's interesting in the book of James that God calls the tongue a rudder, a rudder that leads you through your life. It, your tongue, by the way, will determine where, where you're going to go in life. Amen? Remember that uh, power of your words teaching? If you haven't heard it, request a free copy on the back table. Uh, you know, you are a person is still at the dock spiritually. Now, I'm talking about Christians this morning. You're still at the dock spiritually if, if you make comments like, I have always done it this way, I'm never going to change. Or, I was uh, taught in a church like this and uh, this is where I grew up and I'm not going to change. 
You see, those Christians are still at the dock, spiritually speaking. And uh, God is calling us, calling his people, prompting us to get out of our comfort zones this morning. Turn with me to Isaiah 54. I'm talking about launching out spiritually. Launching out. And uh, you'll see where I'm going with it as I progress here in the message. But Isaiah 54, verse 2. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. It says, stretch forth thy curtains of thy habitations. In other words, go into places you have never gone before. Amen? God's calling us to uh, a stretching. It's an enlarging of ourselves. Um, and by the way, that process is not always comfortable as a Christian. Amen? It's not, because, listen to me, and John Bevere actually brought this up in the teaching on Wednesday. God is more interested in your spiritual growth than your comfort level at times. Amen? Amen? God wants you to grow spiritually. Now, now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about you know, having a sickness or a disease and that's going to make you grow spiritually. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting out of our comfort zones, what we're you know, accustomed to, what we're used to. Um, it might be in the area of evangelism. You know, uh, you might be nervous or afraid to go and, and talk to someone, a coworker, someone about the Lord. But you know what? God's calling us to step out of our comfort zones and let's go out and do it. Let's do the works that we're called to do on this earth, right? Amen. amen. Thanks for the two amens. <laughs> now listen, Jesus left his comfort zone in heaven to come to this earth to redeem mankind from the power of sin and the devil. Now, Jesus was up in heaven with his heavenly father. It was perfect up there. Yet, he said, for the sake of mankind, I'm going to leave my comfort zone, and I'm coming down to do the work that my heavenly Father has called me to do. Amen? And you see, we as Christians must leave our comfort zones for the sake of others. Because really what it boils down to, when a person wants to stay in the same mindsets, mindsets and comfort zones, and they don't want to be stretched, it's selfishness. Amen? It's selfishness because you don't want to be bothered. You don't want to be stretched. You don't want to be in, in that place where you're going to get uncomfortable. But God's calling us to go out for the sake of others, to go out to, to preach the word of God. Let's go out and heal the sick. Let's go out and cast out devils. Okay, you've never done it before? Well, there's always got to be a starting point. Amen? There's a first to everything. And I'll tell you this, in the area of... Uh, of evangelism and stuff you know you might be nervous and tense at first but once you get over that initial time that first time of telling someone about jesus a boldness rises up in you can anyone attest to that you know what i'm talking about it's that initial point of crossing that bar barrier of fear getting over the the hump of that comfort zone but once you do it i'll tell you what you you want to do it more and more you, you understand what I'm saying? Because that fear level is not there anymore. You already did it. You conquered it. You overcame it. And now you're, you're bold and you're going to go out and do it again. Hallelujah. Now, uh, let me ask you this. 
Are you, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, because a Christian, right, is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you willing to lose friends for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to have family members turn their backs on you for the sake of the gospel? Because I'll tell you right now, it will happen. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and, and follow the word of God, uh, that stuff is going to happen. In fact, uh, Jesus said, you know, uh, he goes, I didn't come to bring peace. He goes, I come to bring a sword, a separation of those who are with me and those who are against me. And if you take a stand as a Christian, you will be persecuted. Remember, I, I say it on a regular basis pretty much. I say just expect persecution if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you will have friends who are going to turn their backs on you. You will have family members who are going to think you're loony. <laughs> Amen. But are you willing to pay the price? Uh, let me ask you this. Are you moved by the fear of God or by the fear of man this morning? See, it's, all, it's a question we have to ask ourselves really on a daily basis and examine everything that we do on this earth. Are we being moved by the fear of man or by the fear of God? And if you're moved by the fear of God, you're going to be obedient to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, uh, so how do you know if you're growing spiritually? You'll have growing pains. <laughs> if you're growing spiritually, you're going to know because you're going to have growing pains. Because like I said, growing spiritually is not always comfortable. Uh, and it's not meant to be, by the way. Um, because, you know, let's face it. We live in a world, in a sinful world. We live in an evil world system, right? And we, the church... The Greek word for church is ecclesia. It's called the called out ones. We've been called out of the world system. We're supposed to live a notch above the world, right? We sit with Christ in heavenly places, it says. So we're called out. So, of course, everyone in the world system is going to look at you and I as Christians and think, well, they're just loony. You know, they're believing a myth, believing a fable. You know, so they're always going to have that mindset of you. Uh, but just expect it. You can't expect them to understand it because they're spiritually blind, right? They still have the blinders over their eyes. Now, uh, we need to dump religious traditions of men. We need to dump it overboard the ship, right? Uh, now, when you consider the ocean or a lake, you know, Jesus said, he goes, launch out into the deep, didn't he, did he not? And the deep part, let's, let's think about this. The, a deep part of a body of water is very dark, isn't it? Uh, a deep part is a place where we are really unfamiliar with. Uh, it's a place that takes us out of our comfort zones as a believer. Now, the deep can also be a place where the gospel has not been proclaimed or talked very much. Maybe it's your workplace. You know, we always hear that, you know, where the gospel hasn't been preached or taught. We always are thinking of the third world countries, you know, Africa, Sudan, and all that. Well, yeah, praise God, they, they, it means that too. But how about your workplace? Is there anyone on, uh, you know, your workplace who's sharing the gospel? And uh, Brother Wayne shared an awesome testimony with me, how he's sharing Christ with people, and, and people are just being drawn in. It's a beautiful thing. See, but he was willing to step out into the deep in a place where it's not very popular to proclaim the word of God. But when you do it, you're going to see results. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Now, um, let's get into some points here about this. You are launching out into the deep when you put what you learn from the Word of God into action. You know that you're launching out into the deep when you put what you've learned from the Word of God into action. Listen to me. Don't be ever learning but never doing. Don't be ever learning and never doing. Then you're just like a professional student who acquires, you know, 20, 50 degrees and never uses them. It's a waste. Don't be ever learning and never doing. You see, unused or unapplied knowledge, of course, is wasted knowledge. And James 2.20 says that faith without works is dead. Does it not? Faith without works. So you can have faith, but it can, be, it can be dead faith because you're not putting it into action in your life. Uh, so now this brings me to the point that knowledge of the word, knowledge itself does not make a person spiritually mature. Applied knowledge makes a person spiritually mature. Knowing, knowing from the word and doing it, that's what, what will make you grow spiritually and uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And I want to show you an example of this, that knowledge in itself does not make you spiritually mature. You know, you, you hear Christians who... Who, they've been Christians for 20, 30 years, and they say, well, you know, you hear a sermon and say, well, I've heard that before, yeah. Well, then why aren't you doing it? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? See, there's people who've been Christians for 20 or 30 or more years, and they're still babies, spiritual babies. Right. Now, wouldn't it be weird to see, you know, an adult walking around with a diaper on? <laughs> but in the spiritual sense, we have it all the time in the body of Christ. Amen? Because people think that just acquiring knowledge is enough. No, you got to put it into action in your life. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul, under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. Listen to this. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Now, so here we have Paul was preaching to these people. He said, all I can give you is the basics. I can't even talk to you about the meat of the word or go any deeper because you're choking on the milk. You're not even putting into practice the foundation. Amen? And he called them carnal. Or, and then he goes on to say, babes or babies in Christ. Notice? So it's not knowledge that makes the person spiritual mature, spiritually mature, but putting that knowledge into action in your life, being a doer of the word. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, look at the Pharisees, for example. They had a huge amount of knowledge, didn't they? In fact, that was one of their, their, uh, their pride points, that they had so much knowledge, but they didn't put it into practice. It, to them, it was nothing more than rituals and traditions of men, right? 
you know, come on now, Jesus rebuked the, the Pharisees quite a bit <laughs> on his earthly, earthly ministry because they were walking around all prideful because they were, they were puffed up with knowledge. But they sure didn't put anything into practice except for the rituals and traditions, which, in fact, Jesus said that traditions of men in those rituals, it says that you make the word of God of no effect. Amen? Hallelujah. But as I said, when Jesus came on the scene in his earthly ministry on this earth, he exposed their true heart attitude. And that's why I say the new covenant, the new testament deals with your heart. With your heart. And uh, let me see here. Everything in the new covenant starts with your heart. Jesus said you can commit adultery on your spouse in your heart without even going through the physical motions of meeting a person at a hotel and having relations. You can have adultery in your heart. Interesting. Everything in the new covenant is dealing with your heart. And if your heart is off, well, your actions are going to be off too. Right? Hallelujah. Um, remember, I, I mentioned it last night, Jesus, when he healed that woman on the Sabbath day, remember the Pharisees got angry, said, hey, you know, uh, we're, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. You know, you're supposed to, you, you know, you come back on the other days and you can come and get healed. And Jesus rebuked them and said, you hypocrites, you lead your animals to t get water on the Sabbath. And this woman who's a daughter of Abraham, my child, can't come and receive a healing. He said, you hypocrites. He's dealing with the heart, with the heart issue there. Uh, the Word of God says, it says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, you can all day long quote scriptures, but if you're not in the right spirit, all you're doing is knocking someone over the head and you're driving them further away. That's why you need the Spirit and the Word. You understand? Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and you know, in 1 Peter where it talks about the wife, if you have an unbelieving uh, husband, it says, you know, your conversation, it says, as you be a doer of the Word, basically it's saying, your husband, or your spouse, you could say, is going to be drawn. Why? I believe that God put it in that context of this, because husbands and wives are real good at beating each other over the head with the Word right? They're real good about taking the word and, and, and not, not saying it in the right. Yeah, they might be quoting the right scriptures, but there's such thing as tact also. You understand what I'm saying? John Bevere said, he said, you can be 100% right and 100% wrong. Why? Because in the way that you approach someone. Amen. You can be right in what you're saying, but what kind of spirit are you coming into that person? Judgmental? You know, cutting them down? Or are you coming in love and sharing it with them? Hallelujah. Now, uh, you are launching out into the deep when you take God for what he said in his word and not always questioning it. You're not being double-minded or you're not trying to always reason it out in your mind. You know you're launching out from the dock if you're doing that. Um, believe in it even if your natural mind doesn't understand you, you can believe something and take hold of something without your natural mind understanding. You know that? The Bible is a spiritual book. 
it's not always going to appeal to your natural mind. Amen? Um, Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth was? That great man of faith. Hallelujah. He had so many miracles take place and raised a countless number of people from the dead. He said this. He said, there's something about faith and believing God that will cause God to pass over millions of people to get to you. You know you're launching out into the deep. You're pushing yourself away from the dock when you're believing God's word for what he says and not being double-minded. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, that's why when you feel the call of God, you need to obey God. When you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something, you need to obey him. You don't always need to understand why you're doing it. You just do it. Um, you, don't know, have, you don't have to know where you're going, but you must know who is leading. Amen. As long as, long as you know who's leading you, you don't have to know where you're going because you trust him. You trust him where he's taking you and why he would have you lead you to some individual. Why would he have you in the supermarket line uh, go up to a woman and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. You don't have to know why you're doing it, but you must know the one who's leading. And that's why it's so important to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. Amen? So you, can, you, you build that relationship, that trust, and the Lord will use you more. As you build your, your relationship with him and as you grow spiritually, right? Hallelujah. Now, an example about stepping out and obeying God, of course, is Elizabeth and I, when we moved down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to attend Rama Bible Training Center. Elizabeth, now listen to these natural circumstances. Elizabeth was six months pregnant. We just bought a house in Waterford, Michigan, uh, a year and a half before. And, uh, you know, and, and we had a pretty good job together we were probably raking in close to what 60 dollars together and so uh everything was real comfortable but we felt a lack of peace where we were at you see money doesn't bring peace if money and, and natural things brought peace why are there so many uh unsaved people committing suicide especially all of the people making millions of dollars in hollywood Jesus is the only one that brings peace. But, you know, so Elizabeth was six months pregnant. We had great jobs. We had a beautiful house down in Waterford. And we told our family members, see ya, we're packing up our stuff and moving to Tulsa. <laughs> well, needless to say, uh, they, were, they were thinking that we were totally making an immature move and foolish to do such a thing. You know, because in the natural, it looks that way, doesn't it? That's why I'm saying, don't always try to reason things out. If you're a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to obey your heart. Amen? Amen. And uh, we did. We didn't let any of the natural circumstances hinder us from what God told us to do. We, know, we knew that God wanted us to go. And sure enough, you know, this was a time when the real estate market was totally, uh, totally bare. Now, family's like, you know, you're never going to sell, sell that house. You know, I mean, houses were, uh, it was so saturated, the real estate market. And we're like, no, we know we're supposed to be down in Tulsa, and I'm supposed to be there to, to begin attending in August and all of this stuff. And I said, the Lord told me we're to move down in June. We're going to be there in June. Now, family members laughed us out of the water, and we took a lot of flack for that, <laughs> that situation. 
Um, uh, but listen, within three weeks, our house sold. We were in it for a year and a half. We bought it for 114000 We sold it for 142000 Almost a $40,000 profit on a house in a market that was terrible. But when you have God as your real estate agent, amen? That's what I'm saying. Don't take away the God factor. I don't care what the economy looks like. I don't care what the natural circumstances. I knew God told us we were meant to launch out into the deep down in Tulsa. And every bit of the way, he provided everything we needed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't be afraid to step out and believe God. Don't always question him. Go to Genesis 12. Hallelujah. Listen to me. You only live once on this earth. You only live once on this earth. If, you, if God has put something in your spirit, in your heart, uh, you know, a dream, a vision, don't let it go. And when he gives you that release to take it and run, take it and run. Come on now. He, he has the best timing. Amen? Amen. And sure enough, we went down to Oklahoma and, and uh, smiling. Boy, we were driving down, you know, and... Uh, the, I felt like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, our van, minivan was packed out, you know, and, oh, we're going through, you know, Illinois, bears can be, you know, the countryside, and we're just a smiling, as happy as can be. She's six months pregnant, you know, oh, glory to God, it was the best feeling. It's the best feeling when you know God has called you to do something, and you step out and do it, against all odds. You know, actually, it made it even more uh, exciting for us when we had family members and everyone against us. <laughs> because it was a chance for God to prove himself strong. And he did. What would have happened if I wouldn't have obeyed God? I would have been, I'd probably still be in Waterford, Michigan, miserable right now. Not pastoring, not in the ministry. But we knew who was calling us. Amen. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Listen, God was calling Abram. He was called Abram. And then when the covenant was made, his name was changed to Abraham. But Abram, at that time, God was calling him out and telling him to leave. He said, leave your familiar surroundings. You could say it this way. Leave your dock. Launch out into the deep. He said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything else behind. I'm calling you out, Abram. So he left. And I want you to notice something that God just told him to leave. God didn't give him an exact location at first. He just said, I want you to leave. So Abram, totally not knowing where he was going, but was he nervous? No. Why? Because he knew the one who is leading him. God said to leave, pack up your stuff, and move to Beverly. <laughs> so he started leaving. He was leaving everyone behind, and he just started walking. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew who was leading. And God is never going to lead you into something where, he, where God guides, he provides. Remember that. Where God guides, he provides. You know, the Bible says this, Jesus said, He that looks back after putting his hand to the plow is not fit for the kingdom of God. 
Remember that scripture? He that looks back after putting his hand to the plow is not fit for the kingdom of God. And that's why Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. You see, if I would have taken off to Tulsa and constantly being drawn back and looking back at all that money we left, a, a nice home we left, the comforts of being close to family, I wouldn't have been fit for the kingdom of God. But I was convinced that God was calling, calling us down there. Hallelujah. And that's Jesus is talking about things in your life that would tempt you from drawing back from obeying God. Let me ask you this. What in your life, since you become a Christian, what things are you holding on to where you're looking back, where, boy, you maybe missed that partying. You miss such and such from the past. You miss this and that. No. The Bible, Jesus said in the Bible, he said, if you're looking back after putting your hand to the plow, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Amen? And it's interesting he used the word fit. You know, growing spiritually, it takes exercising. And when you exercise, there can be some pain involved in it, can it? Not everyone who makes the decision to obey God is going to be, like in my situation going to Tulsa, smiling. You understand what I'm saying? There's going to be times when it is going to be painful for you to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was pretty emotional to leave family too, but I was convinced. I knew I wasn't just stepping out in, in, uh, you know, in uncharted land. I knew God was directing us. And we took it. Um, you know, stepping out like that, like Abram did. Have you ever seen the Indiana Jones movies? Where, remember there was like a canyon. and what, I don't remember what one it was. You know, there was like a canyon and, and the bridge was destroyed. And, and Indiana Jones had to get across. And he, he some, I, I don't remember all the, the details of the movie. But he was told, I believe, to step out, you know, and he still didn't see the step. But when he put it down, a, steps, a step appeared, just one step. And then he re reached out his other one, and it still wasn't there. But when he decided to go to it, another step appeared, and it happened, he got across that canyon. Well, kind of the same thing takes place in the spiritual sense when the Lord is leading you. Sometimes that step won't appear until you step out and you determine to be willing and obedient. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, the situation is not always going to be tailored to your liking. Let's put it that way. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, when you launch out into the deep, and I mentioned this, I'm going to touch on this a little more, expect resistance by the enemy. Expect not, not just your physical enemies, but your spiritual enemy, Satan and demonic spirits. Go to Mark 35. I want to show you something here that the Holy Ghost pointed out. Stepping out to obey God is not always going to be the most uh, popular thing. You understand? Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. 
And the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Jesus said, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was uh, also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, Jesus and his disciples were in a ship, and they were getting ready. Jesus said, let's go, let's go on over to the other side. So they were launching out. They were launching out. And as they were in the middle of this lake, a great storm arose. Now, what I want to point out to you is this. Why was Jesus passing over to the other side? Because he had a divine appointment. I want you to notice in Mark chapter 5, goes on to talk about when they got to the other side, he met the demoniac of Gadara, and he was getting ready to set this man free. So who do you think caused that storm in the sea? Who was trying to hinder Jesus from going to the other side to set that man free? You guessed it, Satan. Satan was the cause for that storm, and he knew, Satan knew that Jesus was going on to the other side to set that man free. Now, you've got to understand something. When you set a man free, uh, that individual, the demoniac of Gadara, it said he went around spreading the gospel, talking about Jesus and giving his testimony. So the devil knew, hey, if Jesus gets on over to that other side, sets that man free, that man could be uh, a detriment to my kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? So, Satan, I submit to you, Satan was the cause for that storm. Now, how do I know that? Why do I know that? How, how, do, how don't we know that maybe God caused that storm? Well, because of this. Jesus rebuked the storm. If God was the reason for that storm... Jesus would have been rebuking his heavenly father. So we know that God was not the author of that storm, but the devil was. And the Holy Spirit just illuminated it to me that the devil was trying to hinder them from going over so Jesus couldn't minister to that individual. When you step out and launch out into the deep, just expect resistance. But you can overcome that resistance in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, my last point here as I close. When you are obedient to God by launching out into the deep, moving out of your comfort zone, you will always, always see results take place. Anytime 
You're obedient to God and you launch out and you're willing to push yourself away from the docks of tradition, the docks of those mindsets that have been hindering you. You will always see results. Be prepared to receive a bountiful, bountiful blessings in your life. If you're willing to do that, you know, Peter in, in Luke chapter five, there where Jesus said, you know, launch, you know, take your net, net out, nets out, drop down your nets into the deep. You know, they weren't adequately prepared, were they? Peter and the boys underestimated the blessing because their net broke. And it's interesting to me, Jesus said, and you can look at it for yourself here in the King James too. It says that Jesus said, let down your nets, plural, more than one net. And what did Peter say? He said, yeah, all right. Nevertheless, he goes, Lord, we toiled all night, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to think in the natural. And he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Peter and the boys underestimated the blessing that God had for them. Amen? And what happened? Their net broke, and so they could have had more fishies <laughs> if they would have been, you know, let down more nets. Amen? Hallelujah. But my question is, are you ready? Are you prepared to receive the bountiful blessings that God has for you? Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Are you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, ready and willing to launch out? Are you willing to be stretched for the sake of the gospel this morning? Let's all stand this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's launch out into the deep this morning. Now, maybe there's someone in this building who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. If you have never done that, I want you to come down to this altar over here to the right, my left. And I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because there's no pushing away from the dock at all. <laughs> if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Secondly, if you're a Christian but you're backslidden, you've fallen away and you want to make things right with God today, I want you to come down over here and I want to pray with you to rededicate your life to the Lord. Thirdly, if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul asked some believers, I believe it's Acts 19, or 16, 19, yeah. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He's talking about the second experience, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive the precious Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want you to come down to this altar this morning. Fourthly, if you need a healing in your body, and specifically now, I do feel led that I need to pray for anybody specifically who has diabetes or any kind of sugar problem. Anybody for healing or a miracle in their life. I want you to come down to this altar. And if, if that's you, I want you to stand over here. And everybody else who heard this message who was pricked in their heart, and you're willing to push out from the dock, 
If you're ready to let go of those things that have been hindering you, I want you to come down to this altar right now in the name of Jesus to show that you are committed to launch out into the deep this morning. Hallelujah. I am in of all you've done. You gave us Jesus and with him. You freely give us everything. Problem over here.
anyone else need healing, any kind of healing, if you weren't at the healing service and, and you need prayer for healing, come on up. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord, everyone in this place. Say, Lord, I'm launching out into the deep. I don't have to know where I'm going, but I know who's leading. And I trust you. Forgive me for holding on to the things of this world too tightly. I hold on to you. I release those things. And I consecrate to your will in Jesus' name. Lord, give me a fresh infilling. Baptize me afresh with your Holy Ghost that I'll be a powerful witness, that I'll be revived, that I can spark revival everywhere that I go. Let it begin in me right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I know there's liberty in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Anyone else need prayer for anything? Uh, just a prayer of agreement for wisdom. Uh, anything, just a fresh, uh, fresh touch from the Lord. If you do, just come over to this side. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Just get in the attitude of worship with the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
Wow, glory to God. There's like a wave of the anointing up here, amen? Like Brother Scott felt drunk last night, brother, I'm there. Hallelujah. Well, what another awesome day in the Lord, amen? I, I, how, do you, how do you dismiss something like this? You know what I mean? It's so sacred and awesome. Well, let's go out cheering, praising God. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. And uh, Wednesday night, seven, 6 o'clock prayer, 7 o'clock Bible study. Children, of course, at 7 o'clock also. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, anyone who wants a, a questionnaire, just make sure you see me and I can print one up down in my office. Other than that, what a privilege to be with you all in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Sister, you got something? Mary Henry. Yeah, yes. And what, what was wrong with her again, she, she told you? A cold, was it cold? Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Mary right now. Mary's a shut-in, by the way. Let, let, point your hands over in this direction because she lives over in an apartment complex over there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we all come into agreement and we send your anointing right now. Upon Mary Henry's body, in the name of Jesus, I command that arthritis, I command every infirmity to come out right now. In Jesus' name, and I lose healing upon Mary right now. Upon every part of her life. And I pray your presence would fill that apartment right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everyone be blessed. If you need anything, give us a holler. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. It's so, Father, in the name of Jesus, the soldiers. Father, yes. We pray right now that your hedge of protection would be loosed upon the American soldiers right now. In the Middle East, in this country, everywhere, Father. Encamp them with your holy angels, and Lord, send laborers into their path to minister your word to them, that the ones who aren't born again would get born again, and those who are would get fired up even more by seeing your hand move in their situation over there. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a great week. I've been acting straight.